Drake Halliday finally appearing in his first postseason game. Just try and win. Doc, perfect through two. The playoffs take priority. The Reds, they can't touch this guy. Being able to win the game comes first. Stepping out and didn't see him facing. Roy Halliday, three outs away from a no hitter in the postseason. He almost helped us kind of because the guy was dealing. In the air, Chase Ugly makes the catch. One gone. You know, this is the second time this year he's done that. Episode 5 of the Totally Random Sports Show. Thank you again for joining us. Or if it's your first time, thank you for coming. Uh, lots to talk about today. Big week in sports, as you just heard. MLB playoffs started. Roy Halladay, unbelievable. We'll get to that. You'll also get the rest of MLB playoff rundown. We'll get some CFL, NFL. NHL started this week. Real excited for that. And, of course, the Miami Heat have their first game. Preseason, yes, but still exciting to see them for the little amount of time we did so let's get into it lots of stuff to go over we'll start off quick cfl's first like always uh we've only had two games of course it's uh thanksgiving so only two games the other two happened monday this weekend we saw hamilton and edmonton uh hamilton won this game 36 11 just a turnover filled contest here lots of lots of turnovers lots of fumbles lots of interceptions Neither team really holding on to the ball. Hamilton came out pretty easily and got a pretty dominant win. First half was relatively even. Hamilton was up 3-7, to seven and Edmonton fumbled. The opening kickoff of the second half, Stevie Bay recovered, and that was about it for Edmonton. Hamilton just took control and ran over the Eskimos in the second half. There's not a ton to talk about this game. Uh, Kevin Glenn looked good. He was 22 for 33, threw for 339 yards passing the 4,000-yard marker for the second time in his 10-year career. Last time, of course, was with Winnipeg. So good for Kevin Glenn and uh, Ed, or Hamilton, sorry, 
uh, will improve to seven and seven this week. As we'll see later, the same as Toronto, both improved to seven and seven. They play next week, so that'll go a long way to determining who gets the home playoff date in the East. Might as well go to it since I just mentioned it. Toronto beats Saskatchewan 24-19. Real good back and forth game here, and uh, Toronto special teams really won this game. They had two fake punts that they ran for first downs and as well blocked a Saskatchewan field goal attempt. Offense wasn't anything special. Defense played well, and their special teams just won them the game. Uh, Justin Medlock kicked three field goals as well, so they played good. And a quick milestone, Weston Dressler passed the 1,000-yard mark this year. Uh, No surprise there. He's just great, so good for him. Uh, Saskatchewan had a chance to clinch a home playoff date, actually, with this game. But uh, couldn't do that. I'm sure they will, though. They have tons of time still. Lots of games left. They'll be fine. And that's all the CFL games this week. Like I said, there's two on Thanksgiving Day tomorrow. First, uh, Winnipeg and BC play in the afternoon. Rookie quarterback Alex Brink will get his first CFL start for the Bombers. So you kind of wonder if they're throwing in the towel and planning a little for next year, even though Paul Apley says Stephen Giles should be back. You wonder why they're throwing Alex Brink in there, but it'll be good to see what he can do. Technically, they're not eliminated from playoffs yet, but it's pretty darn close. So I guess if the last eight games weren't must-win, this one definitely is. But they they look to be pretty much done. And uh, the second game will be Montreal and Calgary. Rematch from last week that Calgary just smoked Montreal. I look for Montreal to come out hard here, and I think they'll get the win. Calvillo's just not one to have two poor weeks in a row. Montreal probably won't allow that at all, so... They should be fine. That being said, not a lot going on in the CFL this week. Let's move on to NFL football. A lot of good games this week in the NFL. Uh, a lot of close games. A lot of upsets, too. I'm going to start, though, with uh, very interesting news during the week. Randy Moss. Uh, disgruntled New England Patriot receiver was traded to the Minnesota Vikings. This was a real surprise to me this week. Uh, I wouldn't expect New England to just throw a premier receiver like that away. And uh, they got in return. Initially, they said a third-round pick. I've heard now it's a fourth and a seventh-round pick. Either or, really surprising. But uh, this is what Bill Belichick does. You know, He's good at amassing these draft picks. He has eight picks in the first four rounds this year. You know, he's usually good at getting rid of guys when he thinks they're about done. Plus, with all the problems they've been having with Moss, he uh, called out Belichick the first week saying that he wants uh, his contract fixed and everything. And apparently this or this past week in their game, where he had no receptions for the first time since he's been a Patriot in the dressing room at halftime, he was complaining to all the coaching staff and the quarterback. So I guess it's good to see him go... If you're a New England fan in one way and in another way, you're losing a top receiver. Their loss is definitely the Vikings' gain. I can't wait to see Moss back in a Vikings uniform. And I think this really helps out the Vikings' offense. Brett Favre has been having a lot of trouble finding receivers. Rice being gone. So this is big for them to have a premier big play receiver to sort of take some pressure off Adrian Peterson in the run game and give Brett Favre another target. I'll get more to that game a little later, but... We'll go with the games from this week. Philadelphia-San Francisco in the Sunday nighter. Philadelphia sketched out a win, 24-21. This was a pretty good game, pretty back and forth. Kevin Cobb was starting for Philadelphia. Michael Vick is still hurt. He 
didn't really make a statement or anything. He didn't play that well, but he got the job done, which is good enough for Philadelphia, I'd say. San Francisco had a chance to tie it. They they scored just before the two-minute warning to be only down three, stopped Philadelphia, and got the ball back. But uh, Alex Smith threw an interception on the last drive, and that pretty much capped it off, and Philadelphia will win. Oakland upset San Diego 35-27. It seems like there's a whole lot of teams this year that could be, you know, 8-8, eight and 10-6, eight, and 6-10. Six, six and 10. You're just not sure where they're going to stack up in the middle. But it makes for a lot of entertaining games, which I thought we saw today. Tennessee beat Dallas 34-27. This was such an exciting game. Back and forth all game. Tennessee is just one of my favorite teams to watch. They play hard. They're in your face. You know, some, some teams call them dirty, a little chippy. They play whistle to whistle, and that's just what they do. If the whistle hasn't gone yet, they're going to hit you hard again. And they were all over Tony Romo today. He got knocked down I don't know how many times. I think he got sacked five times in the first half. So they were all over him. That being said, Romo did set a career high with 406 pass yards. He uh, threw three touchdowns, but also three interceptions. The last of which really hurt Dallas as it was intercepted on about their own 10-yard line. And brought back to the one where Chris Johnson brought it in for his first of two late fourth quarter touchdowns. Arizona. Upset New Orleans 30-20. to Max Hall for Arizona got his first career start and played well. He beat the defending champ, so no complaining there. Uh, New Orleans just seems really hurting for their run game. Again, Thomas and Bush were both out again, and they need him, both of them back as soon as possible. Drew Brees is a good quarterback, but they need some sort of run game to set anything up. Uh, New York Giants beat Houston 34-10. Dominant performance by the Giants two weeks in a row. Um, This team wasn't looked at as a super serious contender at the start of the year, but the way they manhandled Chicago and now did the same to Houston, you got to start looking at them a little better. They have a good D, and Eli Manning's been playing great on O's, so it looks good for them. Atlanta beat Cleveland 20-10, and Matt Ryan... Really has impressed me this year. Atlanta's came out, had a great start to the year. And Matt Ryan's been leading them all the way. I think he, I don't know if he's quite there yet, but he's a year or two away from being one of the more premier quarterbacks in the game. He's just been fantastic for Atlanta. And they look like a good team. I would guess they're going playoffs this year. So good for Atlanta fans. Tampa Bay beats Cincinnati 24-21. Late late game heroics for Tampa Bay. They were down seven with only a few minutes left. Got the touchdown, got the ball back, and kicked a winning field goal. So exciting finish there. Chicago beat Carolina twenty three to six. Carolina's just awful. They're still winless. You know they just don't do anything well. They're in trouble this year. Detroit put a beating on St. Louis forty four six. Baltimore beat Denver thirty one seventeen. We also had Washington go over Green Bay 16-13 to in overtime. This was a really good game. I thought Aaron Rodgers just looked terrific in the first half. and Or in the first quarter, sorry. And after that, I'm not too sure what happened to him. It looked like a switch got flipped off. Just nobody in Green Bay looked so good going into the second quarter. They, I think, had under 15 yards in offense in the second quarter. 
and they just shut down. Washington battled. It was a good game all the way through, real tightly played defensive affair, and Washington kicked a field goal in overtime to win it. Indy ended KC's unbeaten streak and a 19-9 win, so that'll take care of all the unbeaten teams. We don't have one anymore. Uh, it's the first time since 1970 that no team has made it to 4-0. and I'm kind of happy about this. Usually, every year, there's the one or two teams that go, you know, 10-11-0, and then you have to hear every week about, ooh, is this team going to go undefeated? Are they going to do it? And I think for teams, it could become a distraction, but it gets kind of old because we've heard it year after year after year. So I think it makes the races a lot closer in the divisions, and it makes for more exciting football if nobody is that far ahead. The last game of the week was Jacksonville beating Buffalo 36-26. Buffalo is just another terrible team. They're winless as well. Not much to say here. It's expected. No one expected Buffalo to do anything this year, and they're living up to that expectation. Jacksonville moves to 3-2, and two, along with the rest of the NFC South. Jacksonville, Tennessee, Indianapolis, and Houston, all 3-2. and two. And this looks like it's going to be a great race all the way through. Indy's usually been the standout the last, you know, four or five years in this conf- er, in this division. But everyone seems to have caught them. Indy dropped a couple early games, both the division rivals. So that's something to watch out for when it gets a little farther down the line. It, this just looks like it's going to be a fun conference to watch, and I'm looking forward to the rest of the year in this conference. Uh, that's all I got for NFL this week, though. Uh, going to move on to NBA. Like I said last week, the Miami Heat opened their season Tuesday night. And they really had nothing else in sports going on. So I'm sure they drew a lot of eyes. I was definitely watching. They won 105 to 89. Again, as I've said a hundred times, preseason I don't really think means anything. But it was interesting to watch. They went down, I think, 11 to 4 early. And then just came back and dominated most of the rest of the game. Sign of things to come, I don't think is a shocking prediction. They're going to be great this year. Chris Bosh had 20 points. LeBron had 18. But the real story in this game came about three minutes in. Dwayne Wade uh, limped off the court. Quadricep injury. Not supposed to be serious, but he might be down. You know, he might be out two to three weeks. So I'm sure Miami Heat held their breath until they heard that. Looks like the big three will be intact for opening night. And I can't wait. That was really the only game I paid attention to in the NBA preseason once I saw that. That was all I really had to see. I haven't watched the rest of it, and I'm not going to. It was exciting for the first, you know, first game, not even the whole game, probably the first two quarters. That's the way preseason is. Wait for the regular season for that. I still can't wait, but until then, I'm almost done. I did read an interesting article online. I can't, I don't have the source for you guys, but a writer a sports writer out of Boston still has that the Boston Celtics are way better than the Miami Heat. What? How does he figure? He says Miami Heat don't have playmakers. I don't understand that. LeBron, uh Dwayne Wade, probably the best playmakers in the game right now, especially working together. It's not even going to be funny how good they are. LeBron did play a lot of point guard in that first game. So it looks like he'll be setting up the offense. These guys are just going to be good. And anyone who thinks otherwise, I sincerely would love to hear your opinion 
on how that works because anyone who knows anything about basketball, I'd be surprised if they weren't picking Miami to be one of the best teams in the league. I'm not necessarily saying they're going to win the championship. I think they will, but I'm not going to go out and you know predict a championship in their first year. Their second year, yeah. Not this year, next year they're going to win a championship. This year, it might be tight, but I don't think Boston's going to be the team to knock them off. I think they were too old last year. They weren't that good last year. And all they've really added is Shaq, which, you know, he'll help. But speaking of old, that's Shaq for you. Uh, Enough NBA, though. I'll move on quickly to MLB playoffs. Uh, Started this week. Very entertaining. And, of course, the first story we have to talk to, Roy Halladay throws a no-hitter in his playoff debut. He's been pitching, you know, until this year, he was pitching with the Toronto Blue Jays, never even had a playoff game, comes to Philadelphia in hopes of winning a World Series, and in his first game, pitches a no-hitter. Just unbelievable. It's only the second no-hitter of all time. Playoff no-hitter. The first one was Don Larson in 1956 for the New York Yankees. He pitched a perfect game in the World Series. Roy Halladay was just lights out. This was one of the best pitching performance, if not the best pitching performance I have ever seen. He threw almost, he seemed to have first strike on every batter, and just nobody could catch up to him. He's only the fifth pitcher of all time to have two no-hitters in one year. He had the perfect game earlier this year against the Marlins. So, he was just unreal. He threw 104 pitches. 79 were strikes. So that just shows how often he was ahead. I think he only had four or five three-ball counts all game. The only thing separating him from a perfect game was a walk in the fifth inning. But you can't complain. He also helped out offensively. He got an RBI. And the Phillies just look great. They sweep their series, ending Sunday night. They won another shutout. They won 2 nothing to finish off the Cincinnati Reds in three straight games. I don't think anyone can compete with Philadelphia in this play in the playoffs here. Maybe the Yankees if they get that far. I don't even I am not even convinced the Yankees are there yet though. Philadelphia just with Halliday, Oswalt, and Hamels, unbelievable. You know, two shutouts. That middle game was nothing special. It wasn't a greatly pitched game, but it will be improved. I can't imagine having to face three of those guys in a series. Probably at least one of them twice too. I think the Phillies are going to have to go all the way here. They are just too good. Other series, the Yankees swept the Twins. Not really a surprise there. Uh, Interesting story, A.J. Burnett, one of the Yankees starting pitchers, was left out of the rotation for the playoffs. So, might see him coming out of the bullpen, but A.J. Burnett will not be starting. Not that that really bothered the Yankees. They outclassed the Twins and just dominated them three games in a row. Tampa Bay and Texas look like a little bit of a boring series as uh, Texas took the first two games very easily. Uh, there were a lot of argued calls in those first two games, but uh, Tampa Bay regrouped and have won the last two and will go back to Tampa Bay for game five and the deciding game. Uh, only one other team has come back after losing the first two games at home, and that was the Yankees in 2001 against Oakland something that doesn't have much precedent that the Tampa Bay Devil Rays have a chance to do. And you can't really be surprised if they do do it. You know, they were, they're they the top team in the league all year. It's really surprising them being down 2 nothing. So I think they'll come back and win that series. 
And uh, the last series was San Francisco and Atlanta. San Francisco was up 2-1 in this series, based largely on the first game of that series. Tim Lincecum is just amazing. It's like it's been all year. It's the year of the pitcher. And Tim Lincecum just dominated the Braves in Game 1. I think he struck out something like 12, 12 or 13 batters. This guy just has nasty stuff and a whole ton of power. He just dominates hitters. So yeah, that's the four series in the MLB. You know, I think San Francisco's going to come out on top. I think Tampa Bay's going to come out on top. Look forward to the league champion, league series there. The Yankees and Phillies will wait for their opponents, and that should get started this week. Uh, we'll go to the best of seven. It's only the division series that are best of five. Looking forward to that. Next up, let's hit some NHL. Down the boards, Cassie in the corner, Duchesne, looking, now moving down front, back to Cassie, shoots, and score! Marty Turco got some of it, but he didn't get all of it, baby! And the Yads have beaten the defending Stanley Cup champions, 4-3 in overtime, in Game 1 of the National Hockey League season! What a great call. That was, of course, me starting selfishly with the Colorado Avalanche. Day 1 on opening night beat the defending champion Chicago Blackhawks 4-3 in overtime. Chicago then went on to lose to Detroit on Saturday. So the defending champion Hawks are 0-2 and not looking good for them. They lost a lot of players. And I know when you're at, I've seen interviews with their coach talking about it and he's saying, you know, we kept our top four scorers or whatever. All their defense is still there. So you don't expect, when you hear that, you know, it's doesn't sound that bad, but when you look at the players they lost, they lost Andrew Ladd, Dustin Bufuglin, Antti Niemi, the goalie, John Madden, Versteeg, Ben Eager, Brent Sopel. They lost a lot of key, more character guys, and I think that is what really hurts them. It's not necessarily that they lose the scoring, but they lost a lot of the checking. Although their defense stays the same and their defense was still good, the defense coming from their forwards wasn't as good. And they lost a lot of those hard-hitting checking guys. And I think that's going to be a huge problem for Chicago. Marty Turco, who stepped in for Antti Niemi, played well. Uh, He got 37 saves against Colorado, and, you know, they could have lost that game by a lot more. But he played really well, so you can't really complain too much about that. But I think it is a lot of those missing guys that are really going to hurt them this year, and we'll see if they can bounce back. A couple stories before the season opener, though. I already got ahead of myself. Uh, Flyers forward Ian LaPerriere. Looks like he's going to miss the entire NHL season with post-concussion, post-concussion syndrome, and it may even be the end of his career. Uh, the, 30, the 36-year-old took a puck to the face last April. Uh, if you remember, he went to block a shot and just caught it with his face. Uh, looked ugly. But he returned for the playoffs, and he admits he may have come back a little too early. Ian LaPerriere has always been one of my favorites. Just a hard-working, greedy forward. And uh, hopefully this isn't the end of the, his career, but first things first, you want to see him You want to see him get healthy. And I think, you know, take the year off and reassess after that if he can make a comeback or not. That When he got that puck to the face... That was one of the scariest things I've seen in hockey for a long time. And it was hard to watch. You know, he came back, and he was the big story for Philadelphia. He played great when he got back, but 
too early, so that's something to continue watching. But he will be gone this year, and we'll wait and see about next year. Another thing, uh, Detroit put Kirk Mulpey on waivers. Another just good checking forward. And I'm sure he'll find a home before too long, but, you know, Detroit is aging. They have a lot of older players, and I think that's where this move comes from. They have to try to, you know, get some young legs in there. And I think Mulpey's just the first to go in what will be many that will have to eventually. I'm going to go to Edmonton opening night now, and boy, does this team look like they're going to be fun to watch. I think uh, Edmonton's going to look a lot like the Colorado Avalanche of last year. Just a lot of young players. They might not do great, but they're going to be exciting to watch. They're going to be going. All their young players look really good. Eberly, Hall, and PRV just look great in this opening and fun to watch. And Eberly made his presence felt with this play. Vandermeer slides it off the wall. Two on one. Here's Eberly. Eberly backhander. What a beautiful goal! The toe drag from forehand to backhand! Edmonton Oilers extend to a 2-0 lead. Jordan Everly. Wow! So that was a shorthanded goal. Folks, this is one of the nicest goals I've ever seen. If you haven't seen this, YouTube it. Do something. This was absolutely terrific. Everly came in on a 2-on-1. Uh, walked around a diving defenseman. Just toe-dragged around him and put the backhand in top shelf and it was just such a sight to see and Edmonton just dominated Calgary right from the start including in the last minute uh, Steve McIntyre from the Calgary Flames fought oh sorry Steve McIntyre of Edmonton fought Rydas Evans of Calgary and this was just an ugly knockout uh, just two punches and Evans went down and he was out of it. He had to be helped off. His agent went over Twitter saying he was okay and he was fine after that, but another scary sight, but just put sort of an exclamation point on the whole night and how badly Edmonton dominated this game. I'm worried for Calgary this year. I don't think Calgary is going to be that good. Uh, I think them and Minnesota will be fighting it out for the basement of the Northwest Division. Edmonton, on the other hand, I think watch for Edmonton at the bottom of that playoff race. I don't think they're going to be great, but I could see them sneaking in 7th or 8th in the playoff spot. And more, like I said earlier, they're just going to be fun to watch. So I look forward to the season for Edmonton. Interesting fact, the 50-50 at Rexall Place in Edmonton on opening night was $33,000. Not bad for somebody paying, you know, 100 bucks for a ticket to go home with thirty-three grand. i would take it. And I uh, also just wanted to mention Taylor Hall got his first point Sunday night against Florida in a, in a win. So Edmonton's 2-0, and and like I said, looks good. They look fun to watch. I'm going to go to Philly-Pittsburgh from opening night. Michael Layton, who led Philly on that improbable run last spring, is having back surgery, so he'll be out six to eight weeks. So we saw Sergei Bobrovsky start in his place. The rookie starting in his first game against Pittsburgh, Crosby and Malkin, both of whom were held off the scoreboard, and Bobrovsky looked great. You know, he looked good his first couple games. Uh, they lost their second game. This first game, he won that game for them, but I'm a little worried if he can hold on. You know, he is a rookie. I don't expect him to go through the season playing this well. But I think Philly is a good team to watch this year. They have a lot of that same team from last year. 
and they just look like a really good team. So I'm excited to watch them play. They're always a fun team to watch play, real physical, score a lot of goals. Should be fun to watch. Anaheim-Detroit started also on uh, the first day. And the best part of this game, Pavel Datsuk and Corey Perry dropped the gloves. An odd pair to see fighting, but a pretty good tilt. Both were throwing pretty good, and good to see Pavel Datsuk doing something like that. Mike Madano made his debut with the Wings, and didn't really notice him too much. Didn't see a lot of this game, so can't give you my best impressions, but it's good to see him with a home, and uh, look forward to see what he can do this year. One of the scariest moments this weekend was in Atlanta's home opener against Washington. And this is what happened three minutes in. Jason Chimera. Oh, you said you think he has a little bit. Whoa, geez. Whoa, he's Andre. The goalie down at the other yeah, end. Andre Pavlik is down. This oh, my not, God. Oh, my gosh. Oh, boy. Andre Pavlik flat on his back. Rick Smith. They're calling for everybody. They've got to get out there in a hurry. Doctors coming from the sideline. Greg Smith off the Capitals bench. Just two minutes and 25 seconds into this contest, and Phillips Arena stunned silence. Whistle far away from the play, and Craig Ramsey's netminder went down in a heap and has remained motionless. Obvious looks of concern in the stands. Well justified. This was not the end result of a collision or a slap shot that hit him in any way, shape, or form. Our attention was trained at the other end of the rink. There was a whistle, and then there was medical personnel streaming off of both benches as they reacted to the fallen netminder. Well, that says it all. The fans stunned. We are stunned up here beyond belief. Just getting started with the 2010 season in a surreal fashion. We wish the best for Andre Pavlov, the netminder for the Thrashers. So that was the call, and uh, Atlanta's goaltender, Andre Pavlik, passed out just during during play on the far side of the ice. No one close to him. That clip was edited. That went on for about 20 minutes. He was down on the ground. He spent a few nights in the hospital. He was released today. Uh, they do not have a cause for why he lost consciousness. Uh, he did suffer a concussion. They believe on the fall. But it's a scary situation, and good to see that he's okay, and hopefully he can get back soon. Atlanta did actually go on to win that game 4-2. So, you know, what could have been a huge dis- distraction for the home team, they rallied around it and beat a good Washington Capitals team. So, good for Atlanta. A couple other quick points. The Leafs, yeah, Toronto Maple Leafs are 2-0. and They've beat Rivals Montreal and Ottawa in their first two games. And let the gloating from Leafs fans begin, I'm sure. I guess they deserve it. Two good wins. Phil Kessel looks great out there. And uh, I think Jean-Sebastien Jaguer is the big winner in this case. He's played terrific. He got the shutout uh, against Montreal and played great against Ottawa as well. So something to watch for there. The problem with Jaguer, apparently they don't think he can play more than 50 games this year and I don't know if their backup can carry the load for them so you know something to watch but if Jaguar can play a lot of games this year look for the Leafs to possibly be coming back into the playoff hunt and just the last piece of NHL news I wanted to go over Tyler Sagan scored his first goal for Boston Sunday night uh, and a 3-0 win against Phoenix both those teams 
I'm interested to see this year. I think Boston and Phoenix are both a little bit of dark horses and are going to have really good teams. Phoenix really came on last year, uh, made the playoffs, and looked great. And I think Boston has a chance to do it again this year. So both teams are going to be fun to watch, I think. That's all I got for NHL this week. We're going to go into a new segment here as we finally have some feedback. So we'll go into that. Now, although we have a lot of feedback, it is all from one person. That is Nick Kojima. Well, thank you. I'm going to kind of condense all of his things here. So, uh, first year up, do not start with CFL. It sucks. Replace it with NCAA. Way more exciting. Well, clearly, as you could tell by the start of this, I didn't listen to you. Sorry about that. Not going to do NCAA. I don't watch enough NCAA, and I don't know enough about it. And, you know, CFL, I find CFL very entertaining. So, sorry. His next point was in was talking about the Bombers, and I called them a good team last year. Or last week, sorry. And he writes, They're a good team when you look at the scores? What does this mean? You play to win the game. When you have less points than the other, you are not a good team. I do not watch, but if they are in a rebuilding year, talk about them at the start of the season, and then do not talk about their almost wins throughout the regular season. Well... All I could think of after I heard you play to win the game was Herb Edwards, so I'll give you a taste of that. You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. That's the great thing about sports. You play to win. And I don't care if you don't have any wins. You go play to win. When you start telling me it doesn't matter, then retire. Get out. Oh, I love that quote. <laughs> so good. And in response to what you said, fair enough. I don't know if they were in a rebuilding year. They were trying to do well this year, and they clearly haven't. You know, I totally agree. You do have to win the game to be considered a good team. Like, that's not... I'm not debating that, and I'm not saying they're one of the better teams. I'm just saying, for their record, they're a lot better than their record shows, and they've had a lot of good games. Fair criticism. Next, I mentioned last week about... Philadelphia thinking about bringing Garcia and he says to that, the only way Cobb is playing behind Garcia is if Vic is if Vic is back and then number 2 and 3 do not matter um, fair enough it's not really going to matter uh, Vic's not out that long, they're not going to pick up Garcia from what I hear anyone cares, Garcia's playing for Omaha in the UFL and in week 1 he threw for 283 yards and 2 touchdowns, interesting league they also have uh, Dante Culpepper and a lot of sort of washed-up NFL guys. I haven't seen any of it, but it looks kind of neat. Uh, Nick's next point was, wow, baseball is boring. I did not even know the MLB regular season has started. Fair enough. Uh, I think anyone watching the playoffs this week would say it's not boring. That first Phillies game was one of the most exciting sports moments I've seen all year. You know, to each his own. And then his last one is a long one here. And... Uh, it's in response to what I said about fans. Uh, he says, Great group of Bomber fans. It is because they only have one team to cheer for in the city. Nothing else to do. They have good fans in Toronto. They just go and watch what they think are good sports. I would never watch an Argo or Jays game unless the ticket was free, but would pay to go and see the Raptors and Toronto FC. And when you get outnumbered, it is one reason. Rider Nation is in town. And then he goes on to talk about stores selling rider gear in Manitoba, I don't really get your point in that, but, uh, you know, go look on the wall if you want to see what he said about that. 
True. Uh, that probably is why we have great Bomber fans. We don't have a lot of other things to watch. We have an AHL team, the Manitoba Moose, and uh, Northern League Baseball. So I would absolutely, I would agree with that. That is a huge factor of why our Bomber fans are really good. But that doesn't mean we're not a great group of fans just because we only have one thing to cheer for. And I agreed with you again. I did say last week that Toronto has good fans. Just their Argo fans are terrible. So both fair points there that I will concede to you. What I won't concede, though, is Ryder fans usually don't outnumber people. As much as they always bring a good crowd out, it's only in Toronto they really outnumber another team's crowd. You know, they're always there, you always hear them, but you never see more Ryder fans in Winnipeg or in Calgary, in Edmonton. But you do in Toronto, and that was my point there. But last thing I'll go to this week, uh, the Monday Nighter, Minnesota against New York Jets. Uh, I was right on my pick last week, and that improved me to 2-3 and three this year in my picking of Monday Night Games. Minnesota-New York Jets is going to be a fun game to watch. Uh, like I said earlier, Minnesota will add Randy Moss to the lineup, I believe. Uh, he should be ready to go by then. Uh, really look forward to seeing this new offense run, and I think they're going to be able to run very well. Uh, Darrell Rivas is expected to come back and play might hinder the Vikings a little bit. You can bet 100% that he'll be all over Randy Moss, but you know, when New England played New York, Moss ran over Revis. So, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, it's really Minnesota's offense here against New York's defense. Whichever wins, I think, will win the game. And I am picking Minnesota. I'd also be totally ignoring a lot of news if I ignored the Brett Favre story for this week. Uh, not something I really want to get into a ton. The NFL is investigating him for sexual harassment from when he played for the New York Jets and apparently sent pictures, I'll say, to a Jets sideline reporter. You know, if you want to hear more about that story, Google it or something. I don't really want to get into a ton of that. I don't find that interesting. I don't really want to know a Brett, about Brett Favre's personal life. Back to Monday. You have that Monday nighter as well as Winnipeg, BC, and Montreal, Calgary in the CFL, so should be a real entertaining day for football fans, especially if you're from Canada. And of course, the NFL se- or the NHL season continues and NBA season approaches quickly. Baseball playoffs. This is a great time for sports fans. One of the best times of the year. It's just fun to sit in front of the TV every night. Hopefully you're enjoying it as much as I am. Uh, you want to write back feedback? I'd love to have more than just Nick's opinions, as much as I appreciate them. Uh, you can write on the Facebook wall. It's Totally Random Sports Show. Join the page. As well as you can contact me through my Twitter account, which is OilCan10. Uh, either or. Download the show. Send it to your friends. Help spread it around. Uh, appreciate it all. And besides that, have a good week, guys. Enjoy your sports. I'll talk to you later. See you next week.